Hey guys, welcome to an American F1 podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and as the title suggests, yes, I'm an American, and yes, I love F1. So basically, you know, I've just been watching F1 probably since the mid-2000s, 2004, 2002, something like that. Uh, Originally, I was a big NASCAR fan, but, you know, the oval racing got a little too boring, decided... I wanted some road course action, started watching, you know, like the 24 hours of Daytona, and slowly that morphed into a genuine love for F1 and everything F1. So my goal here is to just really spread my love, my passion for auto racing and specifically for F1, and just talk about things that are on my mind, things that happen in the weekend F1. Of course, I'm starting it maybe at the worst time slash best time because we just had One of the greatest seasons ever in F1 history. But nevertheless, I'm going to share my thoughts, share my feelings, and share everything I feel with you guys. And if you ever want to comment on my thoughts or share your opinions with me, that is free for you to do. Um, You're more than welcome to do that. I will share my Twitter on the link for this podcast. But anyway, let's get into what was the grand finale. Of the 2021 F1 season. And oh my god did it deliver. First of all the build up to Abu Dhabi. The Yas Marina. The Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Was insane. First of all we had the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The week before with the drama between. Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton. Did he break check? Did he not break check? More dysfunction from Michael Massey. And ultimately was. An okay race. Minus all the drama. I do got to say props to Saudi Arabia, though. Uh, I had one of my friends who is a new F1 fan watching the race, and he's like, damn, they go all out for this Saudi Arabian celebration and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, Saudi Arabia, they had some money. They decided to go all out with their immense celebration. And, of course, we had Max walking off the podium because he was a little annoyed, and we knew we were going into Abu Dhabi for what would hopefully be an intense championship race. And, you know... The weekend started as we expected, you know, Michael Massey telling both drivers, keep it easy, no, you know, moves that are going to endanger one another, blah, blah, blah. We had qualifying, which gambled by Red Bull going on the softs, which apparently they didn't even need because as it got into Q3, Max still gets the pole. And now we're thinking, all right, first of all, this track is clearly built for Mercedes. They have the horsepower. They have that spicy engine, with the exception of Valtteri Bottas, who was given the older engine due to some reliability issues. But we knew going into this that this was going to be Lewis's track. The changes to Yas Marina, definitely interesting. I think they definitely improved the racing, especially if you were watching F2. There were a lot of moves on those outside turns. And I think the real race itself in the midfield battles had some good overtakes as well. It wasn't necessarily a DRS train parade. But we knew looking objectively at it that this was... A Mercedes track. And it was going to take some golden strategy calls by Red Bull to actually win. And I think Red Bull was really going with the gamble angle. They were going with the gamble angle from the beginning by starting on softs. They were trying to get that track position. So we get into the race. Race starts off. Hamilton with a roaring start. And right from the bat, you're like, all right, this is it. This is Lewis's eighth championship. Well-deserved. Congratulations, record-breaking. There'll be the debate between who was better, Lewis or Michael, as in Michael Schumacher. And, uh, you know, we were just settling in for what was going to look like a typical, you know, Mercedes 
outright win, outright victory, Lewis Hamilton, eighth world championship. And then we dive into turn, what was it, turn six, turn seven. Lewis go, um, Max goes in for that lunge against Lewis, pushes him to the outside. And you see Lewis take the escape route. And it kind of reminded me of Brazil. And I was kind of not surprised that Michael Massey and the race directors and the stewards uh, took the angle that there was no action needed. I think if you look at the move, it was kind of a 50-50 racing move again. I think Max went for a lunge. Definitely went for a gamble, and I think he was definitely behind Lewis. So I think looking at it again objectively, it was not the most smooth of racing moves. And I could see why they kept allowed Hamilton to keep that position. So, But nevertheless, right, first lap we do have some drama, and then we kind of just settled in for a long time. And it looked like, again, one of those typical, I don't want to say 2020 races, but... It looked like one of those races from last year where it was just Mercedes dominance and Max was going to, Red Bull and Max were going to maybe have to gamble a little. And gamble they did. So one of the first things, first of all, having Checo in third place was huge this race because it allowed Red Bull some strategy flexibility. So, you know, Max comes in, pits on the hards, and Checo puts up that immense defense, immense, immense, immense. And, you know, you saw the strategy battle. And I thought then when Checo backed up Lewis that maybe this was going to be the chance for Max to overtake again. And it just kind of never happened. It just kind of, you know, Lewis still pulled away. And we went back to the traditional, you know, um, normal race strategy. Max bits again, tries to dig in with his new, t- new fresher tires. And the laps just weren't clicking away. You know, I think they said he needed eight tenths a lap and... The first couple of laps he was doing it, and then it kind of evened out to like 0.4 tenths, 3 tenths. So arriving with like 6 or 7 to go, and you're like, yeah, this is definitely going to be Lewis's race. He's going to sail to an easy victory. And then poor old Nicholas Latifi crashes into the barriers. After a battle with Mick Schumacher, ironically enough, I don't think Mick was trying to influence the outcome of the race so that his father would stay as an 8-time world champion. But uh, it's just a weird coincidence that that happened. And Latifi goes into the barriers. That sets up our virtual safety car setting. And then pure chaos. And (laughs) we knew that a virtual safety car or safety car near the end of the race was possible. You know, anything can happen in Formula 1, especially in this 2021 season. But nevertheless, I didn't think that it was going to be likely. Nevertheless, um, when that happened, I was watching the race and, you know, there was the pit strategy option. Lewis decides not to pit, which is fair because, you know, if Lewis didn't pit, Max would have stayed out and had track position. So I know there were some people saying, well, why didn't Lewis and Mercedes pit? Well, why would they? They're in first. Um, they seemed to have control of the race, and plus the race looked like it was going to end under a safety car. And then, of course, Max Pitts, he has those five cars in between. And then we get into, are the lap cars going to overtake, or are they not going to overtake? And I was watching Joylan Palmer's analysis the other day, and he was saying that maybe they should have allowed the cars to overtake a lap early. And that probably would have removed all the debate. I don't think the debate is whether the lap cars could overtake. I think it was how the lap cars did themselves overtake. 
and the fact that you gave exceptions to five lap cars and not three. So I can understand the frustration there for Mercedes and the rules are written there where, you know, it seems pretty clear by rule. I think it's like 4812 clearly states a safety car procedure, but you know, Michael Massey and the FIA are arguing that they could use these other two rules, 15.3 and 48.13, basically using them in conjunction to override the existing safety car rule. So I have no clue what's going to happen with that appeal. But there's no doubt that Michael Massey has the toughest job in the FIA. Um, I get why Michael Massey did what he did. There is an understandable um, reason that he wanted to have a race at the end of one lap showdown. And I guess some people are arguing, well, they could have used the red flag. I guess they could have, but at the same time, was the incident enough to throw out the red flag? Should they have thrown out the red flag for something that was a relatively minor incident? I don't know, but it was very rushed. Even myself watching the race, I was pretty convinced even when they let those five lap cars pass I was pretty convinced that they were just going to basically do a glorified championship parade and let you know Lewis come in first Mac come in second fireworks blah 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 that would have been a very cheesy and corny way and maybe somewhat disappointing way to end the championship battle but I could have seen it happening but nevertheless we were treated to one of the best last lap battles in Formula 1 history, I would say. Um, I think it was definitely one of the greatest last lap battles we've seen in a long, long time. And it was entertaining. And it was good for the show. Again, is Michael Massey, is that his job though? Is his job really to make sure that we have a good show? Or is his job to keep everybody safe and manage the race appropriately? And that lays the problem out for us. Uh, That therein lies the problem. The fact that Michael Massey kind of used his powers, and he's used it before in the past, to kind of create the show, not manage the race. And that, that is where the issue lies. And again, I understand why he wanted it to end with that one lap showdown. I think it was good for us as fans in some respect. I don't know how good it is for those newer fans, especially fans that still don't quite grasp all the rules. I think, does it water down the championship battle a little bit? Does it take anything away from Max? I don't think so. I think he does deserve the championship or should deserve the championship on merit, I would say. Um, The fact that the way he raced all season, had he won the championship without that one lap showdown, he would deserve it is what I mean. I really truly think both drivers, Lewis or Max, whoever won the championship this year absolutely deserved it. And I think it's a shame that it ended the way it did because it kind of takes away from the win. And now let's say this does go to FIA court, which I think looking at it just purely objectively, I think Mercedes has a legitimate argument and I could see it going some way in Mercedes favor. I don't think it will, but if you're Lewis also, do you want to win your eighth championship? Your well-deserved eighth championship 
in court. I mean, I guess a championship's a championship, but again, it would take something away from that as well. And I think it did take a little away from Max's championship also. And now we're kind of in this limbo period where we're trying to figure out what's going to happen now. I think I was just reading somewhere where uh, Mercedes is refusing to participate in the FIA championship photo shoot, the Constructors' Championship photo shoot, and the Formula E photo shoot. So apparently they really are going for this protest. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. My personal opinion, what I think is going to end up happening, is I think the championship will stay with Max. I think it's a little hard to take it away from him now. Uh, I think it would sour anyway if you gave it to Lewis with, you know, this court battle. So what I think is going to end up happening is some kind of backroom deal where I could see some kind of arrangement being made with ultimately Michael Massey getting fired. And as much as I said Michael Massey has the toughest job in the FIA, and I think the FIA to Team Boss radio transmissions were an absolute horror for him, I think it did him really bad. I do think that he does not deserve the race director position. I think he's shown that he's inconsistent um, and that he's indecisive at times and that he's willing to listen too much to team bosses and tries to make it too much about Michael Massey, not enough about the race. So that's my opinion. I think somehow in the end with this whole appeal process, it's going to result in Michael Massey losing his job. And I don't think any of us would be quite upset with that. But nevertheless, we have been treated to a great 2021 season. And again, it's kind of a shame that it had to end on that note. Because I was literally just like going back and thinking about so many races that were good. Races that were good that we didn't expect to be. Races that had drama where we didn't expect it to happen. Um, and just overall, this season had first-time winners like Esteban Ocon. We saw Checo getting a win. The McLaren won two. Only team this year, by the way, to get a 1-2. So I was just thinking about like how many great races there actually were this year. And I was literally going down the list and I was like, well, this was a good race. 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 And there were a lot more than I expected. I think I counted, I don't even know, like about 12 or 10 good races of the season. So we were treated to half a season that was actually really, really good. And just kind of breaking some of those down, you know, we started with Bahrain. Bahrain really set the tone right away. It was that Max Lewis battle. We had another last lap or two battle showdown, you know, where Lewis kind of forced Max off the track a little bit. And there was that whole thing. And the drama started right there, right there at Bahrain, where the tone was set. And then we went a few races. We went into Imola. We had another great battle between Max and Lewis again, with this time Max coming out on top with a little bit of strategy battle. We had Monaco, which had the quality drama with Shaw Leclerc hitting the tire barriers while in pole position. We were all thinking, oh, this is going to be Charles' Monaco race. Gearbox damaged. Then it looked like Lewis was in control. Pit drama. Bought this pit drama. Uh, we had a Carlando podium. So another great Monaco race or better Monaco race we had that insane pass that we missed because the TV director was not paying attention between I think it was Pierre and Sebastian Vettel so we had all these great moments even in Monaco which is typically a boring race we had Baku with some tire drama between 
uh, Max, and then of course Lance Stroll. We had that last lap battle where Lewis just messed up his brake settings and went straight in, handing the win to Checo, and of course giving us podiums for both, I believe it was Seb and Pierre again. Nice little um a nice little podium there as well. We had France, which had you know, everybody was going into France saying Born Grand Prix, it's gonna be another parade. And then we end up having a great tire strategy call and another epic battle. Uh Silverstone, we know Silverstone everybody remembers the part with Silverstone between Lewis and Max, which understandably. But that race itself with Lewis getting the time penalty, it put the race in control of the Ferrari, Charles Leclerc. And again, I really thought this was going to be Charles' race. And of course, Lewis overpowered him at the end. Um, But it was pretty cool to see Charles up there as well. He must have been so, so disappointed. Um, We had Hungary. Of course, we know poor Valtteri. Listen, I get people want to criticize Valtteri for that. It was just a bad misjudgment of the race. I think he went in obviously too deep, misunderestimated the conditions, and took out half the field. Nevertheless, um, that put us in the position for some great moments as well. Obviously, Esteban Ocon, the field opened up for him. Uh, We had a lot of guys scoring in the points that we didn't expect to. We had Fernando's epic defense against Lewis, which basically helped Esteban get his first career win. So that was pretty cool too, and Alpine winning was nice to see as well. I think we all were pretty happy with that race outcome. Belgium, disappointment, obviously, the race itself. But quality in Belgium was pretty awesome. We had George Russell. He was so close to getting the pole. Could you imagine if George Russell got that pole and got that win, quote-unquote? Um, obviously, Belgium, though, another example of just Michael Massey. Maybe being a little indecisive. I, I think that race was never going to happen. It was too dangerous anyway, and safety should be the primary concern. We had Monza and the McLaren one too. That was a great race. We had, you know, everybody obviously remembers the Lewis and Max. Max coming up on top of Lewis's car. But the McLaren one too was pretty freaking awesome. And again, being as an American, it was so cool to see Zach Brown up there celebrating with the McLaren boys and Valtteri. Um, but that was another really cool race. I think that was one of the highlights of the year that McLaren won too. Oh, and then we had Russia. Russia was definitely disappointing with poor Lando, man. Just showing his rookie inexperience there. I get why he wanted why he was afraid to pit, but ooh, that was heartbreak when Lando went into that wet corner and just lost it. Just totally dumped it. I knew he wasn't gonna be able to survive in that rain. And just seeing him skid out, my heart was just like, ah, we were so close to a Lando victory. I think a lot of people wanted that Lando victory. And that was basically like, you could go to like that last part of the Russian Grand Prix. And you could say that's where McLaren peaked in the season. It wasn't Monza. I think it was Lando leading right before Lando goes to pit. That was McLaren's peak. And we all after that thought, you know, a win for Lando, another win for McLaren was so close. But after that, it just became a Max Mercedes show. It became a Red Bull Mercedes Max Lewis show after that. Um, I don't want to dismiss Valtteri's win at Turkey. I think that was pretty special. But um, we had the USGP and the crazy strategy battle there too. Uh, with Max coming out on top on what we all thought again was a typical Mercedes track. Um, 
We had Mexico and the pure joy from Checo and the Red Bull team, which again, I think Red Bull at this point thought the championship was theirs. You kind of got that feeling like, all right, Red Bull, maybe like you should calm down a little because of course, following that was Brazil. Brazil and the rocket engine, the sprint race. I think the drama between Lewis and Max, you could feel the championship battle like starting to tighten. You could feel Red Bull starting to get afraid at Brazil. And that rocket engine weekend, or spicy engine weekend, I believe, as Toto calls it, was um, the start of this last section of the championship battle where things would get really, really, really intense. And, you know, the moves Lewis was making, that car just was, like, picking off other cars like it was no problem. It was it was like a joke how easy he was picking up those cars. And again, I know people want to say, Lewis has the best car, but Lewis has to deliver with that car. And I don't think every driver could do what Lewis did at Brazil. I don't think you could just put a random driver in that car and say they would pick off the whole field as he did. I really don't think so. So, um, yes, great car, but also you have to deliver on it. And I think Lewis shows... That not only does he understand his car well, but he's a skilled driver as well. You need to both need to work in conjunction. And that really is what makes Lewis deserving of an eighth championship and just deserving of the title of one of the greatest drivers of all time. I really think I'm still thinking Michael's number one, but I think you got to go Michael number one, Lewis number two. And then you could fill in who you want there, you know, maybe Santa Prost under that. You definitely got to say that that Brazil race proved why he is where he is. Um, of course, we had Qatar. Qatar had a lot of overtaking. It was surprisingly more entertaining than we thought for a motor G- moto, not motor moto GP track. It definitely had a lot more um, entertainment than we thought. And of course, Fernando showing why Fernando is still so great with his. Podium, tire-saving skills. Um, and then, of course, Saudi Arabia and all that drama. We're not going to even get into all Saudi Arabia drama. And then we ended with the season at Abu Dhabi, which was a great end to the season. More drama than we needed. But I really think we were treated to special things in 2021. And the teams we saw, you know, a lot of teams surprised this year. This year. I think Williams surprised us. Um, especially that midpoint of the season, you know, they kind of peaked at the midpoint around Hungary up until Belgium, a little after Belgium, where George was just picking up points and the TFU was in the mix. I think Williams really surprised us, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next year with Nicholas Latifi and Alexander Albon. I think they're going to be more of a midfield team than we have seen in the past, and it would be nice to see them kind of return back to their former greatness. You know, Williams for the longest time, was one of the best teams in Formula 1. And it would be really cool to see them come back to that level of skill. Um, I think McLaren, at the beginning of the year, also surprised us. They kind of petered out to towards the um, end of the season. I think AlphaTauri was one of the most consistent teams. I am a big AlphaTauri fan, I'm sorry. But I think they were one of the more consistent teams all year, mainly thanks to Pierre Gasly. Yuki, unfortunately, a little bit of a disappointment this year, but towards the end of the season, you could see Yuki starting to learn a little more and fire up better. So I'm kind of glad 
they're keeping him on for 2022. Because I want to see what Yuki can do. I think he's a better driver than most people give him credit for. I think he made a lot of mistakes this year because he was trying to be too aggressive, trying to drive that car too much. Um, yeah, so AlphaTauri definitely a surprise. Ferrari, that is the team I'm most excited to see in 2022. I think Ferrari might be back in the midst of that battle. I'm really, it would be really exciting if we had a Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari battle again. I think we would all love to see that. I think that would be very, very interesting. I think that would be intense. All the teams really have solid drivers now, too, if you're thinking about it. Mercedes is going to have Lewis and George. Red Bull is going to have Checo in his second year. Max. And then Ferrari having two of the most consistent drivers, especially Carlos Sainz. Never gets the credit that that man deserves. Carlos Sainz, one of the most consistent drivers this year. Charles Leclerc, who still has a lot of talent. I think that's going to be an interesting battle if those are the top three teams. And who knows, maybe a fourth team will sneak in there. Um... Big disappointment this year. I think Aston Martin was a little bit of a disappointment or a huge disappointment. I think we expected them to be within the top three of the constructors, maybe even challenging Ferrari, and they just did not have the speed. They just did not have the overall... They just they weren't there. They just were a disappointment, and it sucks for Seb because I think we really wanted Seb to have a great year, and I think Seb was expecting more. You could even hear him basically straight up in his last radio message of the year say, well, the season wasn't what we wanted, but we'll try again next year. So I really hope that they come along next year as well. Alpine, Alpine was an interesting team this year because they had a lot of highs. When the highs were highs for Alpine, they were high. When the lows were low, they were low for Alpine. I think that's a solid driver lineup, though. I really like the way Esteban and Fernando work. And I think next year, if Alpine can be a little bit better, they'll be in the mix, too, for that top four, top five. I'm really interested to see what Alpine can do next year and how they've developed that 2022 car, especially with the new regulations. I think Fernando's the right guy to guide Esteban, and I think Esteban's the right young guy for Fernando. It seems like they seem eye-to-eye, like that they're, they're very much similar in some ways and like Fernando said he said this year was just a warm-up for Alpine so I want to see what 2022 does it's it's truly going to be an interesting year for that team so I really think we were treated to a great 2021 season and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in 2022 in other news you know we have three more months before the first race of the season but we had young driver testing. We had uh, Nick DeVries with Mercedes. We had Liam Lawson at Alpha Tauri. We had Oscar Piastri with Alpine. Guy yeah, definitely deserves. Oh, why Piastri doesn't have a ride next year is beyond me. That drives me nuts. One of the best drivers in F2 this year. Truly deserving of an F1 ride. And he's going to be stuck on the sidelines. That drives me crazy. It shouldn't happen. This is why we need like two more teams in F1. Maybe just two more, nothing more. But it's insane that so many of these younger, skilled drivers have to go to IndyCar or um, Le Mans series or something else just to get experience. It's it's crazy. Uh, Pato Award got the test. That was really cool. I think he could do something special. And I just think he needs the opportunity as well. 
uh, Grind Joe with uh, the Alpha, Yuri Vips in Red Bull, that was pretty cool to see. We had Yelloy with Aston Martin, Antonio Fuoco with Ferrari, and of course, we had an American Logan Sargent with Williams. So it was kind of cool to see all those cars out on the track with those young drivers. Um, I think Schwartzman and Pietro Fittipaldi tested for Haas this morning, or well, this afternoon in Abu Dhabi. And then, of course, it was interesting to see uh, Valtteri in his new Alpha with his Christmas-themed helmet. And, of course, George. Uh, one of my friends texted me because he has that red um, Monster Energy helmet with Mercedes. So text me showing the picture of George's helmet. He's like, real Michael Schumacher vibes from George. And I was like, yeah, I definitely see that. I think that helmet is pretty cool looking, though. But it was pretty cool to see those guys in their new rides, too. Um, there were times up there. I think Piastri was near the top. Um, but you could take those times for what they are with a grain of salt because you don't know what the plans are for each team. Uh, it's interesting to see where the lap times are, but you don't know what kind of programs they're running. So I know a lot of people like to get like all hyped up about those testing times, but to me, they don't really mean much. Uh, I think it's more significant to see the time that the drivers are putting in the laps they're putting in, uh, and what they're doing with those cars. And plus those new Pirelli 18 inch tires with the caps, Seems so, so cool. So yeah, that was my thoughts on uh, the last race of the year, the 2021 season. Some of our young driver testing. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in 2022. I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys next week. My plan is to fill in this void for the next three months with, uh, you know, I'm going to be watching some older races on F1 TV. Maybe go back to the 80s. I think you can go back to the 70s, but I really haven't had a chance to look. Definitely want to watch through some races from the early 80s. Check that out. Uh, check out some races from the 90s. Kind of get a little nostalgic and talk about what I watched. So thank you for listening in. I hope to talk to you guys next week. And uh, enjoy your first week off from F1 racing. Thanks again, guys. And I'll talk to you soon.